you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. This past week, I had my consultation with our district superintendent, uh, Dr. Yosmar Alvarez. This is a bizarre little meeting we have every year where it's part uh, like bureaucratic checklist and part uh, my pastor checking in on me. It's a meeting where I go on record and say, uh, yeah, I'd like to stay at Andover again this year. It's a, a chance to say like, Here's the state of affairs at Andover. But then it's also a chance to check in and, and, and for him to say, hey, pastor, how are you doing? How, how are things with your soul? We had, uh, as the Methodists are prone to do, uh, like seven pages of paperwork to fill out before this meeting to, to come prepared as a methodical Methodist. And, and the question that struck me the most for this was, uh, how has pandemic affected you emotionally and spiritually? And it was... Uh, it was it was common to most people I've talked to to answer this question this way. Emotionally, this has been a terrible year. Uh, it has been hard to not gather with our folks. It's been hard uh, to be separated from families for holidays. It's been hard, uh, at least in our home, to homeschool. We were not wired for this at all. It's been hard to see our kids not quite understand why they can't see their friends. It's been uh, hard to watch our nation uh, go through what it's gone through. It's been hard to see what 400,000 people die uh, from this thing. And yet at the same time, it has been a uh, remarkably formative year spiritually for me. A year where uh, I've been formed by the means of grace and in our community in, in pretty powerful ways to, to gather for 307 days of morning prayer with this group of uh, six or seven folks every day to, to be shaped in these various Zoom studies we've done, to gather even in this bizarre way of worshiping. Uh, God's Spirit has been forming me and shaping me. Um, and been pushing me to think about who I am, uh, how my family of origin uh, impacts my understanding of God, and how it un- un- impacts my uh, understanding of my vocational ministry. I've, I've talked a lot about all the trouble I got in as a kid, uh, and I've talked about how at times I felt like my dad was, was harsh, but what I've come to realize is how utterly loving my parents were. And how what, what, what as a kid I perceived as harshness was them trying to look after my own interests. To, to look and make sure that I was protected and safe and formed as a, a good person. In reflection I can see that uh, rules and boundaries and, and, and denying of things that I could do by my parents were actually ways of them keeping me safe. Keeping me from going down a road that uh, would be hard to come back from. I've been reflecting on how I thought many of the pastors in my life were the same way, that they were full of rules and ways to uh, deny you from doing the fun stuff. Um, And all that they were about was telling you what not to do. I've I've realized in the last year I probably need to think more charitably about the pastors in my childhood who I I imagine and I hope uh, came from the posture of that they wanted to see us shaped and formed as whole people, people of God's who who recognized there's some things that are not good for us, that they loved us so much that they wanted to help us uh, to grow into people whose lives reflect the goodness of our God. 
And it's helped me think about the type of pastor I want to be. A pastor who, who knows you and loves you. A pastor who uh, is in Zoom rooms with you and when we get back in the building is in classrooms with you. Who sits down for one-on-ones to hear your story and to hear your heart. A pastor who knows the goings and comings of your life. A pastor who knows uh, when you're in that dark night of the soul or in that, in that season of great joy. You know, earlier in my ministry, I thought I would love to be like a teaching pastor where really all I had to do was, was live in my head and read all the great books of theology and uh, get to write lessons and sermons and not have to really think about uh, the community. But the older I've gotten, the more I've been invested, the more I realize that is the, the antithesis of what I desire my ministry to be. Because I've realized that uh, what we teach and what we talk about has to be born out of our relationship and how it dialogues with God's revelation in Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. I've been thinking uh, about the, the model of pastoral life in the Scriptures. We see uh, kind of the major pastors of, of Paul and Peter and James and John with their, their long letters written to their churches and in uh, various ways they connect to them. Uh, you, you see Paul both uh, kind of at this like standoff, uh, almost bishop role to the church in Rome. He, this is Peter's church and he's just writing a, uh, a theological treatise to them, an unpacking of how they should exist as this uh, church that's a mix of Jew and Gentile. But he, he really doesn't have a relationship with this church. You see uh, John the Great write his epistles to the church and speak to the dear one to the to the lady of the church and to speak to them as people he knows and and somewhere in the middle is some of other some of Paul's other experiences with his churches I, I, I'd like to think of, of my desired ministry to be one like Paul's ministry with the church at Ephesus and the church at, at Corinth churches that he spent significant time with knowing them as people and then addressing the realities of their life Paul uh, Paul gets down in the muck and the mire with the Corinthian church. This church that he loves deeply. This church in Asia Minor, uh, a major uh, kind of traveling city where commerce happens. A a major hub of Greco-Roman religion. uh, One of the the great cities of the day. This church that he's spent uh, at least 18 months in. We we, we know of at least four letters, two of which have made uh, into into our canon We know that he has sent Timothy and Barnabas. He has some kind of relationship with Apollos, who's also pastoring in Corinth. And he loves them. And he loves them despite their problems. This is a church that's got lots going on. They're a church that is wrestling with what does it look like to eat food sacrificed to idols? This is common in their environment. What does it look like to... uh, to kind of divide the factions of which pastor is which, to, to look at what does it mean to worship as a woman or as a man. They're a church that is wrestling with the rampant sexual immorality in their community where pretty much anything goes. They're wrestling with, uh, are we actually going to take our hard-earned money and send it to the church of Jerusalem who's going through a famine? And, and then just to top it off, they're wrestling with if the resurrection is real. And instead of writing them off or coming up with some detached theological treaties, Paul writes to them out of his pastor's heart and says, let's, let's talk about these things. He uh, begins to unpack for them, using their own words, what it looks like to be God's people. The, the book of Corinthians, the books of Corinthians, uh, become this powerful way of looking at what does it mean to be a people who live in a world 
and yet whose primary lens is Christ? What does it look to exist, look like to exist in pagan Corinth, and yet as part of the body of Christ? He uh, addresses uh, kind of introductory issues, gets into this discussion of lawsuits amongst believers and how they settle things, and then really begins to dive into the problems of sexual immorality amongst the community uh, of, of the church at Corinth. This, this would be the cultural uh, uh, landscape of Corinth where anything goes. Uh, cross-generational incest, pederasty, where adult men take young boys as lovers. It's, it's common practice of this community and it's perfectly legal. And so we come to today's text in Corinthians where Paul has, has been setting the groundwork to come to them and say, okay, look, all things are legal, but not all things are helpful. All things are legal, but I'll let nothing control me. This, this language of legal or allowed is, is language that roots in Israel's uh, understanding of the law of the Torah. Uh, it, it's, it's full of the gospel where they, the Pharisees will come to Jesus and say, uh, your disciples are doing what is not lawful. They're picking grain. Your disciples are doing what is not lawful because they associate with people. Your disciples are doing what is not lawful. But Paul has already said that, that because now our entryway into the community is not through Torah obedience, but through the work Christ has done on the cross, uh, these things are not on their face value not lawful anymore. They're legal in the country, and they're not things that will bar us from access to God. And so what do we do about that? If we don't have to be perfect in our behavior in order to become people who are in Christ, if we don't have to be perfect in how we live in order to have access to the divine, how do we manage our actions? And so Paul says it is lawful, but not everything's helpful. It's lawful, but not everything is good. It might be lawful, but you can't let it control you. For them, the, the two presenting issues are, in this moment is food sacrifice to idols and uh, sexual immorality. And he, he just glances off the food issue here, and he'll tackle it in fullness in other places. But he says, the food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. Uh, but let's talk about sex. And uses this giant, drawn-out uh, excursus to talk about how uh, our bodies and our behavior with our bodies matter because we are united together in the body. That what we do affects everybody. That uh, there are some things that the civil society will say are okay that we know that bring about harm to you and to the community. Things that bring about harm for the individual and then things that bring about harm for the church. Paul says, don't you know, God is Lord of the body. He's the one who will, has raised Christ from the dead and will raise you. Your body can't be united in this Anything goes sexual activity when instead your body is to be united together with the whole body of Christ. Your body is a temple. This has become a little catchphrase for like the health and wellness 
uh, Instagram industry, right? All the Christian uh, influencers with, with their next strategy for health and fitness. But the, the bigger picture is not about how to get healthy, but how to think about our entire lives theologically. Their presenting issue was rampant sexuality, rampant uh, sexual immorality, rampant things that, uh, that were tearing them down. And we have plenty of our own issues in the world today with sex, but we have plenty of other issues. Paul could have easily have said, it's lawful to do X or to do Y or to Z. He could write a letter to the church in America and say, it's lawful to be citizens of this country and to respect your government, but it's not helpful to worship them, to go anything goes. You can see this play out at at every turn. Where are we uniting ourselves to? And if it's anything that breaks down the body of Christ, if it's anything that separates us from uh, the activity of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, it's problematic. I've been wrestling with this idea for years of what does it mean for us to be uh, citizens of this country and citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Jason Jackson preached a a sermon in the series Eucharist and Ethics uh, on... um, This idea that we as citizens in America have rights. But there are some of these rights that we as citizens of the kingdom of heaven cannot exercise. That we don't get to simply say, you, uh, we're allowed to do X, Y, or Z because our government permits it. Instead, we have to begin to think theologically. To think about the implications for ourselves and for our community. For Paul, in this moment, it's a discussion of sex. But it could easily be about our worship of civil government. It could easily be about our ideas of anything goes. It could be easily about our worship of money or guns or fame. What are the things we unite ourselves with that, that, that are not good, that are not edifying, that uh, tear down the church? What are the things that harm our unity one of the things that uh, begin to paint a picture that our bodies are not for the Holy Spirit but are instead for ourselves I think it's going to be important for us to talk about sex over time and, and, and uh, I think we need to develop a healthy theology of sex an ethic of our sexual, uh, sexual relationships and what's, what is okay but I actually don't think that's primarily what Paul is asking the Corinthians to think about He's asking them first to think about what does it mean to be God's people who, uh, who are free in their behavior, who don't have to do anything to earn his love, but yet, but yet are part of something bigger. What is it that you can begin to think about that for you is lawful, but it's probably not good Can you think about what is lawful, but it's probably not edifying? Can you think about what is lawful and permitted that is controlling you? What would it look like to say, though it might be lawful, it isn't good? Holy Spirit, you have dwelled with me 
Give me the grace to set aside this thing that controls me and to orient my entire life to you. What, what would it look like to invite the Holy Spirit to unite us with our community of faith, with our body of Christ, and, and ask them to help us stand firm in those things that are not edifying? I, I, I used to think some of this was just utopic uh, idealism. But I am, I am more and more convinced day after day that God can and will act through the church to, to set us up as a light on the hill that looks different from the world, who, who stands firm in a call to holiness and yet looks radically welcoming and inclusive. A church that believes that how we live and act matters because we are the very dwelling place of the God Most High. We are the people who go out as bearers of the image of God to the world. We are the people who take the Spirit outside the Zoom room or the bounds of this building and go into the world and bear witness to the goodness of our God who though he has let us be free in our actions and has set us free to, to be people with agency desires us to be holy. And holiness means that sometimes we don't get to do what is lawful. I can't tell you today what has uh, maybe been in your life I know I've been doing a lot of reflection on my life about what is it that has uh, captivated me, that, that has uh, been okay but is not good, or what is edifying. I'd encourage you to lean into community and to lean into the means of grace, to lean into a covenant group or Sunday school class, to lean into your spiritual friendships, and then to lean into God, to search the scriptures, to pray with fervency, to fast and to come and receive communion, to, to experience God's grace to enable you to stand firm and to pursue those things that are edifying, to, to push aside those things that are lawful but bad, and, and to say, God, you have control of my body and you have control of my life. What would it look like? What could it be? I leave you with that. What could it be? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you stand uh, in great transcendence over the whole of creation, and yet you are in, eminently present through the Spirit in our lives. We look out and see you, and yet at the same time you dwell within us. You've, you've journeyed with your church since her foundations, inviting her to consider what she as a body looks like and what we as individuals look like. How do we live in a world where freedom is in Christ, and yet we are free to do good? Free, and yet know that there are things we need to avoid. So Lord, pour out your grace on us in abundance that we might stand firm, that we might be made holy, that we might love you more perfectly and reflect you more clearly. Lord, reveal in us any things which might stand in our way and anything in our lives that might break down the body, that in all things we might glorify you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, who gave himself up for us. And through the power of your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Amen.